sat on the steps, waiting for the bus, and I get a text from KLM to say, after five years of you waiting to go back to Japan, your flight is cancelled. Okay, hello and welcome back to the Tokyo Jazz Joints podcast. This is the half century up. This is episode 50. Um, And as I've said before, we never imagined more than one initially and certainly not 50. So if you're still there and you're still listening, which by all accounts, SoundCloud would suggest you are. Thank you for sticking with us. Uh, And we're back with a raft of new episodes, James, would you say? A raft? Wow. We're getting very local there. Is it some sort of Irish expression? I, I, I would have said I knew, I knew, myself, actually. I knew, I knew as soon as I said that was going to be a problem. Anyway, we can go back and cut that out, right? Is that one of those, say hello to people. It's one of those pub house uh, jazz quiso tent things. Oh, sorry. That's an inside joke, listeners. Yeah, we'll I think you mean public house. Too. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a plethora of so how episodes. Are you? I'm great, man. I'm so happy to be talking jazz stuff with you again, although it seems like ages since you've been here. Well, I mean, this is a funny thing, right? Because, I mean, it's only been, I think, like three weeks, but it already feels like a long time. And um, yeah, so it's a reunion podcast in many ways, not least because we're we're back together on the mic, but also... Obviously, if you follow uh, any of our activity on um, social media, you will realize that I have just recently been in Japan. And what we're going to look at in the next sort of 12, 13 episodes of the podcast is um, what happened on that trip and some of the places that we went to. Some places I went on my own that James had been to, some places that we went together and then a couple other places that I managed to get to with uh, other people. And, you know, hopefully at some point James will be able to visit too, but um, it started quite dramatically, the trip, didn't it? Well, not for you, just for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, are you kidding? I was absolutely riveted. Philip, I was um, constantly refreshing KLM's flight tracker website, you know, um, once I heard that you were going to be, what, what was it up to? About 16 hours delayed, I think. I mean, it was it was grim. So just, just for context, you, you might have seen this on Instagram, but basically... I was sitting on the steps of Dublin, uh, of Custom House Key in Dublin, and um, which is where you get the bus now to the airport, because uh, I'd taken the train down from Belfast um, for rather boring reasons. But anyway, I wasn't in a car, so sat on the steps, waiting for the bus, and I get a text from KLM to say, after five years of you waiting to go back to Japan, your flight is cancelled. And I, all my years of traveling and all the flights I've taken, I've never had a flight canceled in that way. So at first, you just can't quite comprehend. You're like, no, 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 because no, that can't be right. Because like I'm, I'm, I'm booked to go on this flight tomorrow. No, 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 no. And then slowly you start to realize. So the bus literally pulled up as this happened. So I thought, well, look, there's no better place to sort this out than an airport. Maybe there's a desk there. I can figure it out quicker. So. I got on that bus and then couldn't wait any longer. So I called KLM and like in fairness to KLM, I must say, especially if they want to sponsor the podcast, um, <laughs> you know, they got, they got onto it pretty quickly. Um, and they, 
uh, got me on a flight, but unfortunately not the following day. It was the day after. So I managed to persuade them to go to Amsterdam. I, I flew to Amsterdam that evening as planned, and it meant hanging out in Amsterdam for an extra day, which, you know, is not the worst thing, of course, but like when you're just itching to go to Japan, and especially after so long, it just feels like slightly torturous. But anyway, I got there on the Sunday. Uh, uh, actually, no, I got there on the Monday evening. The original idea was I'd arrive on the, fly on the Friday, arrive on the Sunday morning, um, and, uh, you know, have a couple of days to decompress. But as it turned out, I spent my time in Amsterdam. And so when I finally arrived at the hotel in Shibuya, two days late on the Monday evening, I got, it was about seven. I think I checked in, probably already had an, a row with, with the reception about something. And then about 15 minutes later, my phone rang and it was obviously you in reception. So I, I mean, it's the de literal definition of hitting the ground running. Don't you think? I mean, not only that, but I mean, in between you texting me from Amsterdam, letting me know the new schedule, because, you know, we had plans on Sunday to have a real, you know, a relaxed reunion, catch up with some food and drink and plan out your yep. whole trip here. Um, instead, yep. it was like, okay, I'll be at the hotel around seven and I'll be up at seven the next morning to hit the road to, to Tohoku. So it was like, yep. oh, okay, so you got 12 hours in Tokyo. That's fine. We'll do what we need to do. But, um, um, and in any case, you know, um, a very warm and uh, tearful reunion in the hotel lobby. I can't remember the name of the place you stayed, but no more free. Well, I wish you, I wish you hadn't, I wish you hadn't cried. But I mean, you know, <laughs> we, we got through it. Yeah, Actually, funny enough, you you were um, like my funny daughter enough, with your Instagram live all set up as soon as, <laughs> as soon as we got into. <laughs> got still available, by the way, on Instagram. Well, funny enough, actually, I, talking of crying, I mean, I, you know, I'm quite an emotional person at the best of times, but. I mean, it may it may have been the 14 and a half hour flight, but when I got off the, literally the, the second I got off the plane in, in Tokyo and onto that sort of weird gangway thing that connects the plane to the terminal, I just burst into tears. I was so emotional. I was so happy to be back because like, you know, it's corny, but there is a sense of coming home because, you know, 20 years I lived there, which was at, at that time, certainly when I left was, that was far and away the majority of my adult life so um it, you know it was just a very emotional experience and i suppose it's not having been able to go back because of covid and all the restrictions and everything like that that you know when you finally get there and especially then of course having that just that final cliffhanger with the, with the flights and so on um it was just a it was just a beautiful thing and I think probably in hindsight, like it was the best way to do it. So we hit the ground running. It was um, somewhere in Shibuya, like Hotel Wing or something like that. I was staying, but we headed out to what was a legendary place, right? But it, it well, it's still legendary, but in name only, because obviously the place that we went to for the first evening was um, is, is a kind of a resurrection or a reiteration of, of, of a classic jazz kisa, right? That's correct. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a place that we have mentioned a couple times before here and there. Um, one of my old favorites from the days when I first started kind of wandering around looking at all the jazz joints. And it's uh, it's it's Masako version two. To mm. um, Masako was one of the oldest, if not the I, I have to double check that because a couple different sources cite different dates, but it either dates back to 1954 or 1956, which would place it first or second of the the, the oldest uh, jazz kisa that were remaining for a long time, along with one of our favorites, uh, Charmant. 
And, um, mm. you know, Masako was just a, just a tiny alleyway, about, you know, one minute walk from Shimo Kitazawa Station. Um, and f- unusually, because, you know, in those days, remember, Shimokita is, is uh, for our listeners outside of Japan, um, it's, it's a few stations away from Shibuya, so it's a residential neighborhood. But it's one of those neighborhoods that in the 1960s became sort of the seat of the counterculture in Tokyo. A lot of theaters, um, a lot of cinemas, and, of course, jazz joints, you know. And Masako herself, the owner, became this legendary figure. She was friends with a whole range of jazz musicians from Japan and overseas. And I remember, Philip, the first time when I went in there, this would have been way, way back, probably about 1999 or 2000. And um, it was sort of like, you know, a, a big wing of a house. And when you walked in, that's right. Way, the original Moscow had this gigantic oil painting of, of Moscow herself with Mal Waldron. And anybody mm. who listens to my show knows how much I love Mal. So I, I was immediately like, oh, my God, this is the coolest joint I've ever seen. Um, but sadly, you know, the original Moscow closed. She passed away in, in the early 90s. And um, I think it was her brother that took it over. And, you know, as you know, you you lived in Shimokitazawa. There's constant gentrification going on. And, and the place closed down. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Rebirth. Go ahead. Yeah, and I mean, it's interesting too, just, you know, because like, obviously being back there, I, like, as you say, I lived there and each time you go back, it's kind of more and more unrecognizable. I mean, it feels the same in some ways, but for me, very much the atmosphere in the station has just changed a little bit because they've kind of hollowed out the center, which, you know, is is, is quite a common thing in Tokyo. You know, they've got a lot of these new buildings and these kind of like furiai communication spaces that aren't always used. And there's quite a, quite a few parking lots and things like that that have kind of been put in where there was a lot more atmospheric uh you know places and little alleyways and 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 places to eat and of course actually when you go to the edge of that kind of major redevelopment around the station you can still see quite a few old style japanese houses and masako was one of those because it it just just where masako like had masako been like you know 50 or 100 meters further uh, down down the hill from the station, it may still be there, but just specifically where it was, you know, obviously it was kind of like first on the list to be um, knocked down and that area to be redeveloped. And it's such a shame, you know, because I also remember going in, I think I was only ever in once um, before it disappeared, but I remember very clearly going in there and probably at that time was not tuned into Jazz Kisa and not thinking, oh, you know, this is this and, and maybe not even listening to that much jazz at the time, but like, it's it's sort of a regret and a relief that at least I was there once, but also a regret that I didn't like appreciate it more. And of course, obviously, didn't have the foresight to at the time like photograph it because uh, we do see traces of it in places we go in matchbooks and cards. And of course, they still the the new place still uses the the logo and and of course the mysterious picture of this. Um, I mean, this is. I feel like this is going to go back to the the lack of nautical knowledge, but this time it's about animals. But some form of primate slash monkey, which which I believe at the time the owner o- owned, right? I mean, the, the, there was right, actually that's a right. Moscow right? was was quite uh, <laughs> quite infamous, I suppose you would say, for um, strolling the streets of Shimokitazawa with her monkey slash chimpanzee. I think it's got to be something more docile than well, that. But. It's, it's it's really interesting because when you when you go back and and sometimes when I'm visiting any random jazz uh, kisa around town and you know flipping through the old magazines, you'll come across you know um, articles and features about Moscow herself and and the place and and they always make mention 
of of the monkey but they no one I've never been able to understand exactly I, I mean look things were a lot more loosey goosey back in Tokyo in those days right <laughs> so I'm imagining she didn't go through any sort of animal licensing or whatever uh Seems but highly you know, unlikely right every everybody just sort of like took it in stride it was like oh yeah yeah Masako yeah she's got a monkey it's like oh okay that's pretty But actually that area is I mean like I again living there I mean there was there was definitely there's a guy quite often who had uh, a ferret that used to be used to sit at cafes with with um, a ferret and I also a couple of times on Chazawadori there which is what the road that connects Shimokitazawa to Sangenjaya there was also someone who had a Shetland pony that they used to walk around as well so I mean in a way it was really part of a bigger, slightly problematic animals in tiny apartments movement at the time. But uh, anyway, yes. If yes, anyone knows the, the, any, the origin anyone story, anyone who's been to a zoo in Japan would, uh, would would probably know what we're talking about. But yes, uh, that's yeah, a, that's a yeah, topic yeah. for the other uh, animal rights podcast we do. Um, but anyway, you know, when Moscow closed, um, yeah, you know, it's funny you you, you said that uh, about when you went and maybe not being like that, you know, clued into the world yet. I mean, I was sort of just diving in. And if I had known sort of what an important figure she was and what an important place it was, I would have done a lot more, you know, investigating and tried to talk to the staff yeah. and all that. But but in those days, I was basically just sort of sitting in the corner and, you know, having a couple of beers and just taking my own personal notes, never really thinking that 20 years later, I'd still be talking about it. And certainly, yeah, yeah. you know, when, when it was, you know, when I first heard that, that, uh, that there was a new Masako and that it was in Shimokitazawa, I, I got really excited. I didn't know anything of the details. Um, all I had heard from someone was that, oh, you know, they, they found, you know, a new place, you know, it's been closed for about like five, six years, or more than that, actually, maybe almost close to 10 years. And, um, but, you know, it's been reopened. And that was, that was literally the only thing I heard. And it took me a while to get down there. And once I did, I found out a lot of, it was strange. It was one of those moments, Philip, when you realize like the two, the two or three strands of your music worlds are coming together. Uh, because the current owner of Moscow is, um, uh, is the wonderful Moiko-san, who not only used to work in the original when she was a teenager and, and a college student and, and said, oh yeah, I'm sure I'd served you beer at some point in those years back. Um, but she's also a member of the amazing group, uh, the Minyo Crusaders, who um, not only have I had the chance to write about um, and see in concert many times, but um, you know they've been you know blown up around the world. They've toured in Europe, they've toured in the States. And so it was sort of like, once I found out that it was her who not only worked at the original but now was like running the new one and she was a member of the band i was just it was one of those you know mind-blowing moments where it was like oh this is just perfect and so mm. you know, i immediately ran down there and and uh went in and oh it's a lot cozier than the original it's it's a small room so maybe about 15 seats in total and they're very very close yeah. together um, but the main feature is as soon as you walk in along the whole right wall, it's just this from floor to ceiling, all the original vinyl from Masako they were able to keep. And it's it's an absolute library, a treasure of, of original jazz records. And it, it sort of feels, uh, I'm just actually just pop, I mean, if you're interested in, in seeing more Masako and particularly uh, the uh, current owner's uh, penchant for uh, holding up record sleeves and then posing. And uh, I love the, what she does with these. Some of them are so clever, the way she kind of merges herself into like a record sleeve cover. But um, on the bio, actually, on Instagram, which is Jazzy Samasako, uh, we've even got the day, James. So it's actually 1953. 
and it's mm. Ju- uh, J- June the 9th, 1953 was the official opening date. And then the 24th of September, 2009 uh, is when they um, closed. Yeah. So then the o- reopening was, um, well, like you said, it was, it was just less, it was a few years ago, right? Wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was only about four years ago. And um, and, and one of the reasons that it took so long was that there was, well, you know, Philip, you lived here a long time. And you know that sometimes when you're when you talk business in Japan, it's like entering, a, I don't know, entering a maze. Okay, because it's, it's very hard to get a straight answer about, well, what exactly happened to the shop? Well, and then what happened to all the stuff and like who owns it? Mm. And so the story was very long and vague. And, and all I could get out of it was that a lot of the original stuff from Moscow, including those beautiful oil paintings, ended up with yeah. somebody in Hokkaido. And apparently that's where the great Mal Waldron one is. But Moiko and team were able to get a whole bunch of them. Not everything, but as you saw when you went there, some of the stuff that's on the walls is from the original, including all of the old pottery. You know, not all of that was redone, so they were able yeah. to save quite a bit of it. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, this this was the first time that I've been in the new one, um, and I'm just actually I'm trying to pull up some photos on my phone from um, the night that we went because there was quite a few notable, um, still quite a few notable paintings and things like that up there, but. Um, I think for me, like it really felt like the old place. Um, you know, it, it it just felt like a smaller version. Like it, it very much had like it's a newer building, but it had that same feel and that same atmosphere. is is incredible how you can kind of recreate that even with just some of the things that had survived from the previous place. So, and I think what was also notable was that when we were there, and I may have imagined this because I was heavily jet lagged and my memories of that evening, although I felt very present at the time. <laughs> <laughs> feel a little more vague now but um you know i think there was almost exclusively i think there was one non-japanese couple that came in for a drink but other than that all the customers and of course including the the master were female which again as we've said many times the podcast is not a usual situation and there was uh, two or three young women who were there just on their own reading having a drink or eating some food and, and listening to the music. And I suppose that kind of speaks to not only maybe the owner being female, but obviously just how, you know, some of these newer places, these newer joints are kind of a little more forward looking and they're certainly projecting and providing maybe like a more open atmosphere than what is the, the traditional jazz kisan. I know we're probably going to get onto that in other episodes because we had a few interesting conversations about exactly the mm. the, the ambiance mm-hmm. and the and the the kind of image in the in the popular imagination that Jazz Kisa brings up. But for mm-hmm. me, like it was just, you know, there was that beautiful painting of Eric Dolphy. Uh, there was the signed photograph of um Billy Harper. And like, you know, it just it just felt so like cozy. It was such a nice way to start that first evening. And of course, and it was and, I mean, and, and Philip, it was great because it was also one of those and I mean it's happened so many times, but every time it happens, it makes me want to smile. Is it because we were talking about Billy Harper and the album and the next as soon as the record playing ended, the next thing we knew, like she put on a Billy Harper record. So she was yep, listening yep. to us, you know, go on and on. And you know, we've had that many times with owners who are, you know, maybe you don't know if they speak English or not, but they they catch the names of who you're talking about and all of a sudden like one of those artists records will come on but um just to go back for one quick point though about the you know yes the customers um there being a lot of female customers and moiko-san obviously owning the place and running it and and i think that you know that is 
maybe a, a small growing trend, but certainly in the location because in Shimokitazawa, um, as you know very well, so many alleyways full of tiny, tiny shops, whether clothing or books or knickknacks or whatever, little little drinking bars, and a very high percentage of them are owned and run by women. And so I think it's it's an area that sort of takes pride in that they, they they do have their own sort of unique culture. People look out for each other. And of course, you know, Moiko-san, having worked in the original, has a relationship with a lot of the old customers as well. Um, and so I think that's that sort of like all comes together. It made perfect sense to me that it would be, you know, in Shimokita. Um, and that it would be her who would be able to sort of like take it over and 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 bring in younger, frankly, to bring in younger customers as well, not just you know female customers, but people under the age of fifty, uh, like yourself. Yeah, and I think also that was you know that was kind of the interesting thing too, because quite a lot of the music that she was playing was was was, I suppose, kind of newer spiritual kind of jazz, you know, uh, some with kind of beats and that sort of stuff. So it was, it was even the music choice I thought, you know, was quite not, not, not forward looking because nothing retrogressive about some of the stuff that was, was also being played, but like just, you know, it's kind of, it feels like it's updating. Whereas again, we, we maybe know that like a lot of those record collections in, in further flung places that we are much older places, you know, are probably not being updated in the same way that they maybe would have been you know, in their heyday, but just looking through some of the photos as well, there's, uh, which is something maybe quite rare that we've not seen very often is a Charles Mingus, um, signed, uh, photograph, which is, is, is not something we've come across so much. And um, there's also a beautiful, beautiful oh, kind well, of like based, based on what I remember reading when I, I, I went to a huge Mingus phase and it's still I'm a big fan, but maybe not the jolliest of guys to ask for an autograph. Right. That's kind of what I thought. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. see them nearly as much as you would see, you know, uh, 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 some of the more, you know, uh, Horace Silver or uh, Elton yeah, Jones yeah. who were known for their, their beautiful smiles, you know. But we'll put some of these photos up on on, on Instagram when, when this episode comes out. But, you know, there's a beautiful collage of um, kind of collage style picture of Alice Coltrane. And um, obviously then, of course, when we started chatting about photography and, and I asked to take some pictures, then um, this photo album came out with, you know, this beautiful signed photo of Ron Carter. There's photos of Miles. And, and of course, just to go back to Billy Harper, which again, we'll also put this up on the Instagram, uh, is a lot of the famous matchbooks that, Masako had and there is actually just this incredible one that they made with with Billy Harper I think on one side and then on the other side is the Masako uh, monkey playing a saxophone so unless I'm hallucinating because of the jet Uh, lag I have the I have the photographic record so I'm pretty sure that happened I forgot about that but that is is great no but I mean yeah there's a there's a lot of you know matchbooks coasters and and um advertisements in the magazines featuring the the little uh, guy or gal uh, that used to be the mascot so um yeah. yeah just and you know it's just you know again it's great because um i mean i obviously i'm a fan of any new places that open they all have their own unique you know charms to them um but there is something special about having the legacy having the history having that absolutely and, um, you know, it, it, it just means that, you know, a whole new generation of people are going to get to experience this world, you know, which is what it's True. all about. Yeah. Um, speaking of speaking of new, though, um, Shimokita has, you know, we mentioned about all the redevelopment, but if you just walk a little bit away, you can still find some of the old charm. And uh, I, <laughs> well, our next place, Philip, how, how would we? Oh, hang on a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down. I think you're missing some. I think you're missing something very major. Before we left Massacre, I mean, an unprecedented thing occurred because 
<laughs> oh, I didn't have this in my Any mind. regular listeners of the podcast will know that James uh, has what, what I would say borders, and uh, may not even border, may just be a fully blown phobia of any kind of food or snacks in a jazz kisa or a jazz bar. And not only did he try some of the delicacies this time he ordered and i mean this has just blew my mind and again without the photographic record i may have been just hallucinating from jet lag but james you had a full curry dinner in masako which you know i'm looking at the photograph now i mean it's just it's unprecedented it's okay. it's unbelievable okay. very very easy to explain very easy to explain long <laughs> day be. at work been hours since lunch, um, went out of my way to be a, a good friend and go pick you up at the hotel, which meant navigating right. the streets of Shibuya and Sentagai. So by the time we sat down at Moscow at around eight, um, definitely was a little bit peckish, as you would say. Um, mm -hmm. But most importantly, um, and again, bless her heart, Moiko-san cooked up what was a proper uh, curry. I don't mean Japanese sweet curry of the kind that you would gobble up anywhere. I mean like proper and... Um, you know, as in Indian, and me being part Indian, that's uh, you know something that's gonna wet my palate a little bit. So I decided. And to you liked it. Meal. Come on, you you enjoyed that. It was very tasty. I have to admit, and uh, I did not see it as being in any way momentous. I mean, over over five years of visiting 150 plus jazz joints, I'm certain I've eaten at least a few peanuts here and there. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember them. If you the did, first but... actual meal. Maybe it was the first actual meal, um, but what can I say? I mean, it, it smelled really good, and uh, yeah, so I decided to dive in. Hey, you know, we, we adapt, we change. It had been five years since you'd been here, you know. Not the same it's a new, it's, I'd say it's a, it's, a, it's potentially a new era, but look, let, let, just for the benefit of people listening, you know, we went to about... It's well, I think a new weight class, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> well, like, I went to about, I think in the end it was 30 places I managed to get around in, in about 13 days, which was no mean feat um, and never really stopped the entire time. But some of it we're going to cover chronologically because we went down to Kansai for a few days together. and um, But we're going to jump around a little bit. So I think where you were going was probably to stay in Shimokitazawa, but we were going to go to to another place that serves not only jazz, but food, right? Is that what you were thinking? That is that is correct before you so rudely interrupted my wonderful, wonderful transition. Um, yes, a brand new place. Um, maybe one of the smallest, I think, that you and I have been to, and perhaps one of the smallest that exists, um, with the unbelievably uh, unique name of Tonlist, T-O-N-L-I-S-T, Tonlist, which, um, I, well, if we were live, I would have a call-in quiz, but since we're recording a podcast, that won't work. Philip, though, you do not know uh, what the word Tonlist means or what language it comes from, do you? Yeah, it's from Icelandic, and it's a famous music program in Iceland, so, <laughs> so screw you. Smart it, 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 it simply means music <laughs> in yeah. Icelandic. Um, but what, what I did wasn't aware of was, was I mean, when you think of uh, a shop that, that says it's going to feature jazz and uh, the main thing on the menu is going to be hot dogs, well, being American, my first thought will be, oh, this is going to be a Yankee Joe type place with, you know, uh, Route 66 neon signs in it or whatever. We're going to get the real full American experience like we did in another place we'll talk about uh, on an upcoming episode. Uh, but no, yeah, it's Icelandic. And apparently uh, hot dogs are quite the thing in Iceland, I would 
I've not known that. I've never been there. Um, well, but, I famously yeah. have, of course, but and, and oh, had actually. There's there's a famous there's a famous. I didn't um, think we were going to go into that. <laughs> well, you know, again for the listeners of the podcast, I as 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 you know, I may have referenced many times uh, a, a wife, and we did actually get married in Iceland. Um, we're no longer married, and they they are uh, a big thing, hot dogs. And funny enough, it's only now that you're talking about that I kind of also made that connection to Iceland because the owners seem to have this. Um, there's a famous um, photography book um, of which follows this kind of pipeline across Iceland. And actually, on the wall of the of Tonlist, he has an original print by the Icelandic photographer. Um, so there seems to be this very kind of like strong connection with Iceland. And I, when I chatted to him, I asked him, you know, obviously, have you been there? And of course, he had. But I do remember there's a particularly famous place in Reykjavik where I think there's footage of I think I think Obama or Clinton or some some US president anyway had been down there and so there's all these photographs of them getting hot dogs down there um, closer to the water in Reykjavik so yeah it's like quite a big thing there weirdly but um yeah I, it's, I've only just made that connection that that, that I mean, the it's, Icelandic it's, thing it's, it is really really interesting because when when you uh, when you look at the shop and, and I've done some reading about it and the notes I had from when I when I briefly chatted with him um the guy's a big audio guy. Um, now, our regular listeners know Philip and I are not audio guys. We, we appreciate it, but we can't go rattling off about very obscure pieces of equipment and whatnot. But uh, the owner at, at Tonlist, um, he, he, he mentioned that, you know, uh, it goes back to, to his father who was, you know, a jazz collector and, and also a big audio guy. And, and he started to sort of appreciate this, this jazz world and really wanted to create a, a small kind of modern, you know, slightly different version of it. And then, you know, I think the, the, the whole idea of the hot dogs on the menu is, is just, <laughs> oh, look, Philip, we've mentioned it before. I mean, there's a lot of jazz places that we're, and we'll be doing an upcoming podcast on this, but, you know, Jazz Plus, whether it's, you know, hot dogs or cars or wine or whatever. Um, but this was a first where, I mean, the menu, we're, we're not joking. The menu is just five types of hot dogs. That's it. Oh, yeah. That's all he makes, you know. And there's a little fridge with some beers and a, and a couple other things. Um, but but pretty much the whole place is a couple tiny tables, three or four seats at a very narrow counter. And then behind the counter is where he cooks it up. And then in the, in the back corner where a whole wall of audio and records. I think it's it's definitely by square footage the smallest shop that we've been to and one of the smallest I've been to in Japan. Um, but it's an absolute gem. And and I mean, in in the in the only five months he's been open, I must have seen 50 plus notices on Twitter from both Japanese Jazz Kisa fans and overseas visitors who have gone there and everybody's raved about it. So I think he's, you know, hopefully doing enough good business that he's going to stay uh, stay for a while, but um, but yeah, it was it was a bit of a shock too because you know Philip, remember where this where Thomas is located is is in a little alleyway in Japanese they call it Yokocho, and a Yokocho is a sort of a narrow street with tons of tiny little counter bars or places to eat. You know the kind of things you see in pictures of uh, of old Tokyo with the red lanterns hanging. You know the real evocative sort of Showa era stuff. Yeah, so and that's it's actually is. And and actually in there, there's a couple of, you mentioned earlier, but I think, you know, there still is quite a few th smaller theaters in Shimokitazawa. And I think it was definitely a sort of an off or off, off Broadway kind of area um, back in the day. Mm -hmm. So the, the kind of, it's probably the last remaining 
part of Shimokita Zawana that really has that age. There's a few uh, bars and places around there, and it's in a kind of a it's like a covered space. And and it's funny, it stands out because of its newness too, because it's very clean and very slick inside. I mean, it almost has that now that you sort of think of it, it has that kind of Scandi Icelandic vibe to it. But and it has like a, a neon sign outside with hot dog and you know a nice glass door and it's very br- brightly mm-hmm. lit and and like really nice space. But so it really stands out because a lot of the other places much dingier and all that kind of stuff. But I mean you know, you, you sort of leave and you just think this is genius because, you know, when I, I had actually tried to contact him on Instagram the day before just to say, Oh, look, you know, I'm coming. Um, I'm going to be passing through. I used to live there. Um, you know, we're going to come for some food, but would it be okay to photograph? And when I got in, I said to him, you know, I've tried to contact you on Instagram and he obviously hadn't seen it, you know, which I guessed. And, um, and, um, you know, so we sat down, ordered some food and got chatting and, Again, like to go back to the audio, I mean, he said, well, I'm a big fan of UK audio. And I sort of nodded as if like I understood what that meant. But um, <laughs> he was playing he was playing some records, you know, and I mean, the sound was just so crisp and so clear. And, you know, then he got um, the hot dogs. We ordered a couple of hot dogs. And again, you know, even that is so it's such a simple idea because all you have to do is boil them toast the bun there's no smoke Mm. there's no oil there's no splash there's no mess and you're just sitting there at this little kind of diner type counter that's so familiar to like anyone who's been in like a ramen shop or like any kind of izakaya and this jazz is just playing so loudly and you're just sitting eating this hot dog and you're thinking this is genius i mean this is like and actually when i asked him i said to him you know how did you come up with this idea and he just looked at me and he was like well you know, and he was quite reserved and he was like, well, you know, I used to, I just always wanted to open like a jazz kisa. And then I, like, I, I also really like hot dogs. And then he just, he, then he just sort of stopped. And I was like, oh, so, and I was like, so you, you just thought you'll combine them both. And he was like, yeah, basically. <laughs> like, so he just loved two things and he thought, well, I'll just do them both together. And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, it seems so simple when you say it, right? And then it has this it's, kind of Icelandic connection to I mean, it's just it's such just a unique perf- space. Perfect. Yeah, I, I remember he's, he was, he's a little bit um, reserved, I guess you would yeah, say. Absolutely, friendly, yeah, absolutely. Friendly, but reserved. And uh, But I mean, how it's beautiful because when you think about all of the places that we've been, uh, where we've talked with owners who have a sort of, um, I don't want to use the phrase tunnel vision because that's very negative, but let's just say they, 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 they are very, very clear in what their interests are. Uh, yeah. Jazz, collecting jazz vinyl, audio, and maybe one other thing, be it whiskey mm. or chain smoking all day or whatever it is, you know? Um, and, and, they, and they very often can live their life in this lane and be very, very happy blissed out about it but but mm. um yeah when when i first went and realized that it uh that that was the other thing that it was hot dogs uh i i, I just i didn't even know what to ask him i was like okay you know what i've seen everything in japan this is great it's a jazz hot dog joint um, it's brilliant it's just brilliant you know and actually uh, by the way I, uh, I i i didn't eat one though so oh well just to, I mean, just to stay you know. consistent <laughs> baby steps, baby steps. But like, I mean, actually, fun, funny enough, the next day I got a really lovely message from him on Instagram. His, his name is actually Yuya, Yuya uh, Uno. Um, and, you know, shout out to him and, and for creating such a, a great place and actually also really good hot dogs, by the way. But, um, you know, I got a lovely message and and he was apologizing because he was worried uh, that my girlfriend felt uncomfortable because we were speaking Japanese and uh 
obviously that that wasn't the case but you know he just That's he apologized sweet. for that and yeah, he said look you know really if you want to come back please do and it was just lovely you know to to um to get that message and to be able to to eat there to have mm. a drink to photograph there mm -hmm. and like again like you saying and also just you know Again, to go back to that idea of, you know, the future of jazz kisa and jazz sort of listening spaces and how, you know, perhaps it's these ones that evolve and adapt that are the ones that are really going to survive and thrive, hopefully, you know, and, and he was very sort of erudite about, uh, I said, you know, how's, how's things going? Is business good? And, you know, again, just very typical answer of like, yeah, you know. It's okay, you know, which probably means yeah, it's not, yeah. it's actually not bad at all, you know, because it's, yeah, it's, it's yeah, quick, yeah. it's but, easy, but it's a small from space. His, from his, uh, from his manner and, and, and from, you know, sort of also the, the, the Japanese business owner reticence to, I mean, I, I can't. I've lost count of the number of times of owners telling me like, oh, business is so bad. I don't know how I'm going to stay open. And they've been open for like 30 years and they're never closing. You know what I mean? So yeah. there's, there's, there's that sort of like pattern to that, um, which is okay. Um, which actually leads us then to our last place, Philip, which is um, basically completely the opposite <laughs> of, of Tauntless. Yeah. Um, and also at the other end of the, well, I mean, Tauntless, we, we went separately, obviously, but the, the next place mm -hmm. we went together, and this was, I think, the the penultimate night of my trip, wasn't it? We, I, was, I had some plans to meet some friends for dinner, and we did a classic sort of, uh, you know, you were on your way home from work, or no, you came up from your house, and I did a kind of a dash down for a couple mm -hmm. of hours, and we went to Step, right? That's right. Step uh, in the town of Motosumiyoshi, which is in Kawasaki City. Kawasaki is the rather drab industrial town in between Tokyo and Yokohama. So it was sort of perfect for both of us because I was coming up from Yokohama. And, you know, it's really interesting because I, I had been to this station before to the now closed uh, Bar Flow, which was a lovely, lovely nighttime jazz bar. Um, but I had had in my notes, um, you know, because I take notes about every station that I go to, what are the music bars there and and all of that. And I had written down very clearly, Motosumiyoshi, bar, jazz bar flow, uh, nothing else of interest. And sure enough, um, I felt incredibly stupid because the the very, very classic old jazz kisa step uh, is there, not even that far from the station, but one of those, as we love to say, very analog places. No website. I don't even know if the guy has a cell phone, although he certainly has a, a, a computer. We'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, but um, yeah, one of those places that, that is not really that well known. There's very little online in Japanese about it. I recall seeing a, a blog post from about 2011 or 12. So we weren't even really sure if it was still open. And Philip, do you remember um, we were looking for clues and the only clue we could see that it had been open in the last couple of years was it had that little like sort of rainbow sticker that says covid ventilation accredited that japanese shops got a couple years ago you know the you know the one that i mean yeah yeah and i'd, I'd had a slight panic too because i'd been looking on google maps you know and sometimes you get photos there from users and things and um something happened in like between the day that we arranged to go and the day that we were going and like suddenly this new um photo had appeared on google photos and it was just a shutter and so like and I was like, oh, this has been like updated, you know, maybe this photo that which was of of step and, and was recognizably step with the COVID thing was there. And then suddenly the, the most recent photo was the shutter. So I was kind of half expecting to get there and it to be gone. And of course, when we 
got there and, and turned in off the main street and, and it was down the end of a little small kind of alley, he was he was out there um, cleaning, out, cleaning the windows and getting the sign ready, wasn't he? And how would you describe his manner as we approached you with your gigantic camera in hand? Well, I mean, um, I'm going to have to post a picture of my actual camera just so that just to dispel that myth. But, um, you know, yeah, I mean, it was funny because we were obviously on a bit of a schedule and and, you know, he he just kind of turned it and we were like, oh, um, we're here because I again, you know, like so many places, you know, owners kind of maybe turn around and see us and they they don't necessarily think that we're coming to them. Right. And so we were like, oh, you know, are you open? And he was like, well, you know, I'm not quite open yet. And we were like, we did that kind of thing. We just go, okay. And then there's sort of a pause and he was like, it's fine. Like just come in. And actually he was just about to open. I mean, it wasn't ours. I think it was five or something like that. So mm. yeah, he, he, he kind of brought us in and, you know, as we've found so many times, you know, once we sat down, sort of introduced ourselves, started to have a bit of a chat, he just opened up completely. And, uh, you know, he started to tell us, I think, he said, I think I, I made a note or something that he said that he'd been somewhere nearby for 10 years and this current place was there for 43 years. And I also on the way home made this note of like, it, I think it just sums up, you know, that, that that how many of these places and how, just how huge that network of these kind of places was and still is because of the fact that, you know, Neither of us were aware of this. And not only that, it's kind of on your way home and you had never even been to it, which just to me could have exemplified just like the scale of like this culture and just how many places that, you know, there are and whether you would ever even get around all of them anyway, you know, because for, it wasn't like a new place. It's like, oh, I'd never heard of that. It was, he's been doing the same thing there for 43 years, you yeah, know, just exactly. in that little space, right? Oh, exactly. And, and and the other thing being like, I, you know, it's not like I just do this like randomly as a hobby. Like, mm. this is what mm. I do for years. Like, I take notes yeah, yeah, yeah. and I check Google Maps and it's like, how did I miss this? And, and what I realized actually, Philip, after we had visited and after you left, one reason was because um, when you look for step, um, and you you would remember you went there, uh, you you get a lot more information about the bar step in Conda, the, the sort of large yes, uh, of course, yeah, large yeah, yeah. basement place, uh, you know, not nice place, you know, in Conda. So and and that and you know he's got a website, he's got social media, whatever. So I, I'm assuming that maybe even if I had seen the name. If you don't look closely, and I mean, I read Japanese, but I'm not a native speaker, and it's easy to just like miss something. Maybe I just saw Step, and I would have thought, oh yeah, yeah, I've been there already, you know. So it's very likely I would have seen some mention to uh, of it uh, by you know maybe one of our sort of you know co jazz kisa hunter friends or acquaintances or something online on Twitter or wherever. But for whatever reason, it, it you know it sort of fell through the cracks, and so to finally get there and then sit down and talk with him. And, you know, he did that, he always, uh, that, that always kind of like, you know, humble, rather charming thing. Like, oh, you know, my place is so dirty. Let me clean up before you take pictures. Like, no, 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 no. Don't touch anything. <laughs> We're fine. Yeah. You know? It was funny, wasn't it? Because he he was, a, I mean, you know, it's never the intention to sort of highlight these things. I mean, I just want to photograph what's there. But yeah, he had mentioned that he thought, I think, quite seriously about closing during COVID. And for whatever reason, he kept going. And I think over the course of COVID, particularly perhaps as tables weren't being used and stuff by by groups of customers or whatever that you know slowly stuff had kind of started to pile up there and there was quite a lot of stuff just sitting around like piles of papers and like magazines and stuff like that but you know there was this 
beautiful little bar area. And actually, as we were there, uh, another young guy came in. I say another young guy as if we're young, but, you know, a young guy came in uh, and had a drink and he it seemed like he maybe comes there a bit on his way home or something like that. So um, we just sat and um, like we weren't there that long uh, and I had to shoot off a little earlier, but he was, of course, a big Crusaders fan. And uh, he, you know, once he got that on again, he really sort of was like, he played that album, particular Scratch, which seemed to be one of his mm. favorites, which a few days later or a couple of days later when I was uh, in another shop, it popped up. So I thought, well, look, you know, that's a nice memory. Uh, and I, I well, picked was, up that he album. Was also, Philip, after you left, um, he, he, you know, he was talking a little bit more about his speakers, uh, about his JBL 075 and how they, they'd never once had a problem in, in, in 45 years. Um, and then, yeah, it was interesting because you mentioned the sort of younger guy who seemed like he'd been there many times before. But uh, after you left, an a, a older gentleman came in, didn't even say anything, just sat down next to me, took his newspaper and cigarettes out. And, and the owner just pulled his bottle keep from under the counter and poured him like a whiskey soda. And they just Epic. nodded to each other. So, so I was like, oh, OK, this guy's here at least once or twice a week. So very yeah. much a neighborhood kind of joint in, in the back of a... a strange sort of location it was a an old sort of shopping building like right next to step was some sort of weird discount drugstore not a chain um and then next to that was one of those old sort of uh post-war showa era toy stores i think so it was it was very you know a hard place to get to um i don't think you would have a lot of people walking by it's going to be mostly regulars but um yeah i'm gonna to have to make sure on the way home someday to to stop by again because it was um yeah i mean he was just such a friendly guy and you know again and also he was, uh, he was really teaching himself to teaching himself to learn uh gopro camera right and at one point there, there was right. that moment where where yeah, he was like have a look have a look at this thing and i was we were like oh he's gonna show us a whole lot of videos that he's made with gopro but it didn't work out that way but we were like yeah oh, that's great, you know, keep going with that. And uh, yeah, trying to sort of encourage him to use this like technology, but it was delightful. I mean, he just was like, oh, I've really got into this and making videos for my, I think he said he was making them for his son, right? It was kind of a, like a posterity type thing. So I think he wanted to yeah, kind of create I think he these videos. To, I, I think he sort of, it, it was strange. It's interesting because he, you know, like I mentioned, quite an analog place, you know, uh, no real use of anything online. Or, but here he was sort of working with, pretty advanced equipment online and trying to like make some sort of record of of the shop and i i think it may have been maybe for a sadder reason than that though um i don't know if you remember he mentioned his wife had been quite ill and yeah. so uh she she'd been feeling better but you know that that was another reason that he he wasn't doing as many hours in the shop it used yeah to be, yeah yeah you know, regular jazz kisa hours open in the afternoon but these days he was just opening and and of course because of covid um, mm. you know, he was just keeping it open basically like five to 10, so five hours a day. Uh, and I think he lived fairly close by. So, cause he had to go back to her. He said that to me, he doesn't really keep it open very late. Um, but you know, a, a great spot and another, another one of our sort of, you know, random ones, because as you mentioned, yeah, we didn't, we didn't have plans that day. We had plans for the weekend before you were going to fly back. Yeah. But he yeah. texted me just being like, Hey, I think I can get away for an hour before some boring thing I'm going to. And I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'll finish work a little bit early. <laughs> Let's just zoom up and walk around and see if we can find this joint. And sure enough, we did it. Yeah. And look, I think that's probably a good spot to uh, to, to finish up this particular reunion episode in, in more ways than one. Um, we'll be back with, um, we're, we're planning another 
10, 12 episodes. So, um, and they'll be coming out probably fortnightly, which in, in normal English is every two weeks. So keep an eye out for those. And thank you for your continued support. There'll also be updates on the book as well. So keep an eye on those um, on um, Kickstarter and Instagram. And we will um, probably visit that um, in a little more detail in the next episode as well. So that was the half century, 50 episodes up, James. I wonder if we'll make it to 100. Are you kidding? Um, I think we're going to make it to 200. We still got so many more places to visit, man. And that's a fair point to talk about. Come on. It's a fair point. Put your ambitions high. Well, look, listen, for now, uh, it's been not only was it very, very happy occasion for us to be sitting not only in Massacre, but all those places that we sat that we're going to talk about in the next episodes. I mean, it was just, I think there was moments where we just kind of sat and went, and there's a couple of times where I <laughs> I was like, what are you smiling at? And you were like, just happy. And it was like just such a lovely thing. And and also to be able to talk about it and like debrief on all the places we've been. I'm really looking forward to the next 10, 12 episodes. But uh, for now, that's all for episode 50. Um, and uh, keep an eye out on the website too. Uh, slowly but surely some of those photos will be going up there as well. But in the meantime, James, I will talk to you uh, in two weeks' time. Yes, that's correct. In two weeks' time. Talk to you soon, buddy. See you later.